This is the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast, presented by Massage Envy, the first podcast devoted entirely to Arkansas baseball. Featuring insight from Arkansas baseball color analyst Bubba Carpenter. Here's Matt Jones. Big week for the Razorbacks. It, it began with them losing to Arkansas Little Rock, a game that you just kind of write it off as being a, a midweek game. You never know how those are going to go. You look no further than what happened at some other places around the SEC this week uh, for that to ring true. But the Razorbacks rebounded well. They went to Baumwalker Stadium and beat Tennessee three times over the weekend. Really solid series win for them. Also, they beat UCA on Tuesday night. They're 30-7, and seven, and this is the third consecutive year that they have reached the 30-win plateau in 37 games or less. Uh, really just says a lot about the consistency of Dave Van Horn's program. The Razorbacks go to Georgia this week for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series at Foley Field against uh, the Georgia Bulldogs who have the worst record in the SEC East. I'm Matt Jones with Bubba Carpenter. And one of the big storylines going into Georgia Bubba is, is that the Razorbacks might get Brady Tigert back this week. He hadn't pitched in a game since March the 1st. Of course, uh, had the sprained UCL. Uh, they weren't sure when he was going to be able to get back, but he's gone through some bullpen sessions and they've, they've worked him back into shape. And now it sounds like it's probable that he's going to be on the roster uh, for this series at Georgia. And, like Dave Van Horn said Tuesday night, if he's on the travel roster, it probably means he's going to pitch. Well, that's got to be exciting for you know for the for the whole bullpen, the whole pitching staff in general. Just knowing that you got Brady Tiger coming back, I mean that's a, a huge piece of that puzzle. Now, you know where he's going to start out. We we don't know, Matt, how good he's going to be starting out. I mean, it's you know he's been out for a while i know his bullpens have been pretty good and so you know brady's a competitor so i have a feeling he's going to get out there and just start dealing from the start you know one of the things that stood out to me uh, during the tennessee series was how well arkansas's bullpen pitched that game but then you really start to think back on it they pitched pretty well against old miss uh, they pretty they pitched pretty well against alabama for the final two games of that series and what they're getting is Obviously, Dylan Carter's been good. Uh, Hagen Smith has been great in that role uh, where they've been using him. But they're getting a lot of innings from these three freshman right-handers, Ben Bybee and Christian Fouts and Gage Wood. And, you know, not only are they getting innings, but they're getting, you know, really good innings out of them. And then you add Tigert back into that. All of a sudden, you start to look at Arkansas as being kind of a, I don't know if a, as complete as we thought they were going to be from a pitching standpoint before the season, but you know, they're right there is is one of the better pitching staffs again, I think, in the SEC, especially if Tiger can come back and be anywhere near as good as he was early in the year. You know, I think I think you're right. And you know what's what's impressive, Matt, is you look at the guys that have stepped up. Gage Wood, of course, they knew Gage had potential to be really good. You know, Ben Bybee, Christian Fouch kind of struggled in the fall with control, but he's come on strong. Uh Dylan Carter's a guy that's been huge for us. You know, they weren't expecting him to be what he's been. Uh, so far this year. And so, you know, we've really had guys and, and, and what was, what's awesome about it is when someone goes down, you got to step up, someone has to step up. And that's what you've seen happen with this pitching staff and the bullpen has been, been amazing. You know, I, th- I think it's impressive that you get through against Tennessee, you know, you use two pitchers on Friday night, two pitchers on Saturday night. So you're going into, you know, Sunday and you've only used four pitchers, which is pretty remarkable against a lineup like Tennessee. It was the fewest runs that Tennessee has scored in a three-game series since 2019 when all of the games were at least nine innings. They they also scored seven runs against Missouri earlier this year in that series, but there were two seven-inning games there. Uh, you know, Tennessee, they look like an undisciplined team to me. Uh, what, what were your thoughts watching them over the weekend? Because I came away really unimpressed with with watching them based on maybe all the hype and expectations that there were for that baseball team. I team, I think they're a tired team. They don't do the fundamentals. They don't, they don't play with energy, passion. Um, they don't do the fundamentals. I just, I, I call it a tired team. To me, they were, mm-hmm. they were a tired team. And I think, I think, I've talked about it a few times. Where last year in 2022, Tennessee was good enough to beat you, not doing the little things. They were just good. They were really mm-hmm. good. Um, this year they're not good enough, and I think it's kind of reared its ugly head that 
if you don't do the little things, you know, they add up and you're not going to win in the SEC. All those little things that they don't do that other teams do, especially the Razorbacks. I mean, we we outplayed them. They made they made mistake after mistake uh, in the field, on the bases. Uh, their pitchers made mistakes. Uh, it just You can just go just a litany of things that, that went wrong for them that we took advantage of, and, and that's why we ultimately swept them. I thought that was pretty a stark contrast between Arkansas and Tennessee and, and some of those things that you were talking about, the base running, uh, the fielding. And I think it really makes you appreciate how consistently good Arkansas is at just playing fundamentally sound baseball, and that's something that can get overlooked sometimes. Oh, you're right. And you know, I talk about Razorback baseball all the time. Well, you see it every, night in and night out. You'll see something. And I always refer to it on the radio as that's Razorback baseball right there. You know, you look at the play, you look at the play with uh against UCA, uh, where the shortstop fielded a ground ball, was gonna go to the bag and touch touch second base, mm-hmm. realized that runner at first base was busting his butt. He wasn't gonna get there. So then he decided to throw the first. Brady Slavens was hustling down the line, beat that out. A lot of guys don't hustle from first to second like that. But uh Caleb Kelly, he's not he's not a, a speed burner. Got a good secondary, got a good jump and and busted it into second, made that play right there. And that that was a huge play in the game. You know, it could have been a difference in us winning or losing that game uh Tuesday night against UCA. So I mean there's just so many little things. I talked about Tavian Josenberger the other night in uh in the Tennessee game. You know, Dylan Carter's on the mound. Uh, ninth inning, guy hits a ball to left center gap. It would have been real easy for Tavian to let that ball just go to the go to the fence, throw it in. The guy's got a double, you know. Then the next guy hits a double, and that guy would have scored. But Tavian cut that ball off, spun and threw, and kept a guy at, at first for a single. Huh. And it doesn't go in the scorebook, but it's just a, it's a hustle play. And you constantly see our guys making hustle plays. It doesn't matter if it's the first inning or the ninth inning or if it's a 10-run game or a a 0-0 game. They play the game the right way. I think DVH demands it of them. And good baseball beats bad baseball. And and, and you see what happened this past weekend. Did you think it was Arkansas's best series win of the year? I did. Yeah, I think so. I think – I think from start to finish, we played we played great. We played great defense. I'll tell you who really stepped up defensively. Uh, Caleb Cali made some really good plays at third mm-hmm. base. Um, you know, even and you look at you look at the outfield. Look at uh, Kittle Diggs in right field. He made an error, but I tell you what, the ball that he cut off, he caught one against the wall. Mm-hmm. It was a really tough play. But the most impressive one was the ball that Tears hit the right center. He played it off the wall perfect and kept him in a single. Mm-hmm. As a result, we get a strike him out, throw him out the end of the inning. That was a big point in the game right there. You know, if he ends up at second base, that whole inning could play out different. So there's just uh, – you could go down the list. There's a ton of things that, that I you know, part of them are things that I write in my scorebook. Part of them are things that are just etched in my memory uh, that we did that that contributed to a sweep. You know, there's always a weekend every year, and <laughs> I think this probably – uh, tells you a lot about the, the program and just the consistency like we were talking about earlier. But but it seems like there's a weekend every year where it's like, okay, now I, I see a team that I think could go to the World Series. And so many things have to go right for you to get there. But, you know, I think about like 2018 when they beat Kentucky and Texas five times in the same week at Bomb. That was the one that really opened my eyes. In 2019, they beat Mississippi State and Tennessee. I think they swept both of them back-to-back weekends at Bomb. And Connor Nolan pitched real well seven innings plus in, in both of those games. And, you know, and so this is kind of that weekend for me. It's where it's like, okay, this looks like a team that could make it to the World Series. I don't know that I believed that a week ago. I'm not saying that they – I didn't think they could make it, but now it's I've, – I've seen some things on the field in the past seven or eight days that make me think that this is, is rounding into one of these really good potentially postseason teams that Van Horn has had. I think so. That You know, they just keep – finding a way to win and that's what's amazing to me is and they didn't let the fact I mean think about Jared Wagner goes down before the series it didn't I mean they missed him of course but Mm -hmm. you know Ben McLaughlin stepped up and had a really good weekend at the plate I mean I love his approach I compared him last night on the air to to Kendall Dix Mm -hmm. you know he's he's under control at the plate doesn't chase a lot of pitches out of the zone he doesn't have a lot of movement um 
stays on the ball, drives it the other way really well. He just he controls the at bat basically and swings on his terms. And, you know, he was huge in the lineup this weekend. So it just seems like every time someone goes down, someone else steps up. And I go back to a question you asked me probably a month or so ago, Matt. You asked me if I would trade a national championship. <laughs> uh, you're talking about consistency. So this mm-hmm. reason I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this back up. Would I trade a national championship for a relevancy like uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State? I mean, they're struggling right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of fumbled around on the answer, and I'm, I wasn't sure. And then I said, no, I, I wouldn't, because I like where we're at as a program, as an organization. You know, the, the the Razorbacks, I mean, they've constantly got a bullseye on our back everywhere we go because we're consistently the team to beat. And so I'm 100% sure now I would not trade the national championship for what's going on with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I mean, I like where we're at right now. We're going to get that national championship. It's just a matter of time, whether it's this year, next year. I mean, a lot of things, people don't understand how hard it is to do that. So many things have to fall into place for that to happen. Things have to go your way. You have to get breaks. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, not always the best team wins it. But I just uh, I don't know. I, I thought a lot about that question after you asked that to me, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it one bit. I love where we're at, and uh, we're just going to keep getting better. You know, I think a lot of head coaches would tell you, and the the ones that have won national championships, is that the the teams that won the title they weren't their best teams. You know, Mike Bianco's not going to tell you that last year's team was the best he's ever had at Ole Miss. You could probably say the same same thing for. Kevin O'Sullivan, you think about Paul Maneri when they won in 09, that was a good team. But then you think about the team with Bregman and others that that didn't win it about six, seven, eight years later. Uh, you know, it's it's all about just there, there's a I, I hate talking about luck and but there is, I think, a, a certain amount of that to winning a championship. And, you know, Arkansas's had some great teams and you know, the one that breaks through and wins, and I agree with you. I, I think that the more times that you put yourself in position to win a championship, you know, whether it be through the resources that they put into the the facilities they have, or obviously they go out and spend a lot of money in their recruiting, uh, they're, they're putting themselves in a position to always be there in the conversation. And the more times you do that, you're eventually going to break through, but it may not be the best team they've ever had. And, and I think maybe Ole Miss last year is a perfect example of that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, things just came together for them. I, I remember when Ole Miss came in here, um, and we played them. I remember looking at their roster thinking, well, how are these guys not winning? Yeah. You know, and they, then, then they finally got it rolling. They put it together, you know, but I go back, I still go back to the Dylan Delusia game. And every time I see home plate umpire, um, Oh, uh, Kevin Sweeney. I think of the, I think of that game against Dylan Delusia where Kevin Sweeney was the home plate umpire. And I don't like excuses. I like to point fingers, but his strike zone, was big that day, and it matched mm. up perfectly to Dylan Delusia the way he was throwing, and he got a whole lot of pitches off the plate that that should not have been called strikes. That went from a, you know, maybe a instead of a two zero count, it was one one, or instead of a three one, it was two two. It it changed a lot of things, and you know, so it was just a perfect storm for Ole Miss. It all came together at the right time. They win a national championship, and then this year they just they're just scuffling. You touched on this, and, and I think there's a lot to be said about these injuries that they've faced. And, uh, you know, we talked about how the pitching staff has gotten better because they had to. You know, I mean, these these pitchers like Christian Fouch and Gage Wood, if, if this team was going to do anything this year, uh, who I think it was Fouch who told me after the game on Sunday, he said when uh, Cody Frank went down, that Hunter Holland pulled the freshmen in together and said, look, guys, if we're going to if we're going to accomplish all these goals that we have for ourselves this year, you guys have got to step it up. Gage Wood kind of took the lead and now these others are kind of following in his footsteps. And, you know, so the the injuries have made the pitching staff have to get better out of necessity. Jared Wagner goes down. He's probably not going to be back until the South Carolina series or the Vanderbilt series. He had surgery on Monday to have a couple of pins put in his thumb. Uh, that's uh, got a, a hairline fracture in it. And, but like you said, you get Ben McLaughlin, he comes in, uh, he's been hurt. Some players probably had to step up while he was hurt. Uh, and he's got hits in four straight games and has six hits during those four games. Uh, I think it's going to make this team a lot stronger at the end of the season, whenever they're able to have Wagner back and, and, you know, potentially have Tiger back to the, the level of, of pitching that we've come to expect from him. 
you know, there's, there's something to be said for these injuries and how it's building, you know, character and depth on this team. And, and I feel like that could, you know, play a big role for them late in the year. Yeah, man, I agree completely. You know, you look at like, like I look at Gage Woods and, and Gage Wood, and I'm like, I, I didn't like him in the, in originally in the role he's in because I've watched him pitch coming all the way up and he's always been a starter. To me, he didn't look comfortable in that, in that role that he was in coming out of the pen now, but I got a chance to interview him after, after Saturday's game uh, against Tennessee and he loves it. I mean, he absolutely loves that role right now and he's embracing it. He loves the crowd going crazy. He loves coming in in that situation. He feeds off of it. You know, same with Ben Bybee, Ben, 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 I love Ben Bybee. I think his personality, you know, he doesn't act like a freshman. He doesn't talk like a freshman. I, he, he doesn't have freshman stuff. He's starting to put it together. Christian Fouch, from the first time I saw Christian Fouch, I'm like, this dude's nasty. If he can figure it out, I mean, that splitty that he's got is ridiculous. He's got a 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastball. He can spot to the glove side. Um, and then last night, he featured a slider. He threw a whole bunch of sliders now he he missed with a bunch of them, but they weren't bad pitches. They're they're they, <laughs> analytically they're really good. He just got to land them, and he was just missing on the glove side. But you see those three guys, and like you said, they they've really stepped it up. And I tell you, we get Brady back in the middle of that mix, and then that's gonna that's gonna kind of change all that and just just make us stronger. But you're right. I think the injuries really have kind of developed a little character in this team and made guys step up and just toughen up a little bit, grow up a little bit faster, um, and just continue to improve. Tell me if you can see this. I would not be surprised when Tigert comes back, and I'm not saying it's gonna be the first weekend when he's back, but at some point in the not too distant future. It would not surprise me if you see Tigert in the starting rotation and Hagen Smith stay in the bullpen just because uh, when Hagen Smith's been in the bullpen, they're winning those games. And then he starts the game against Ole Miss. He didn't pitch bad, but he didn't pitch great either. Uh, it's it's like he's become a little bit more dominant in the back end than he was as a starter. No, I think that's I think that's a perfect spot for him. Just use him kind of as an opener, which I kind of hate that term, but. It is what it is, but yeah, use Brady as an opener and just let him go, you know, however long you can go. If he goes two innings, great, three, four, whatever. It can kind of be like a Ben Bybee start on, you know, on, on the Sunday's game against Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Went three and a third, you know. That's that's about all they ask of him. One hit, two runs. I thought he looked. I thought he looked good. So I think you can put Brady into that role. And I agree with you one hundred percent on Hagen. Leave Hagen where he's at. And let him just kind of float around and be used as needed. If they need him to start a game, let's say we get through Friday night and Saturday and don't need Hagen, maybe use somebody else in those roles. Then Sunday Hagen can start. And boy, you you got to love your chances there if you get if you end up with Hagen starting on a Sunday. But I don't know. There's I think it's going to open up a lot of options. I just hope when Brady comes back, he's healthy and doesn't rush things and. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's that's I guess that's the main the main part that worries me. We start dealing with the the elbow issues, but you know, I know they're gonna do what's best for him. And if he's back, that means he's hundred percent healthy, ready to go. You coach a lot of baseball. Is isn't there something to be said for not messing with what's working? And and then you know, in this scenario I'm talking about keeping Hagen Smith at the back end. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. There's if it's not broke, don't fix it. And you know, you can you can overcoach at times, and I see a lot of that in the SEC. I see a lot of overcoaching. I saw I thought Vitella overcoached this weekend. Um, the pickoff play, do you think that was overcoached? <laughs> that, that was Is that what you're thinking about. That's, yeah, that's one of them. That's way come on, that's like youth ball stuff right there. Yeah, I, I'm talking about it on the air, and you, you just knew something was going on because the pickoff plays weren't even close at first. Hmm. I mean, they really weren't. Um, so you just had a feeling something's going on. Then the Frank Anderson goes out to the mound. I mean, yeah, stuff like that. And then you look at you look at Alabama when Alabama came in. You know they beat us. They beat us on on Friday night um, handily. Well, then they changed their lineup on Saturday, and it's a different lineup. And I, I I'm like, mm. well, what are y'all doing? You just mm -hmm. <laughs> why why are you changing it? It worked last night. Um, I I don't know. I see a lot of guys overcoach. But you don't ever see that out of DVH. You know, he lets the players play. He's got a good feel. 
and and a, a, a term that I use all the time, which which I apply to my kids. I try to coach them from the inside out. I'm like, okay, I try to if I'm going to give a bunt sign here, am I giving the right kid the bunt sign, or am I better off just letting him hit here? You know, and I try to put myself inside him once he's thinking. And I think that's what DVH does, and that's why he has so much success. It's not, it's not all the analytics and okay, you know, this is what this is what the percentages say right here, right here. Dave views it from a true stand. Just the the game has a heartbeat, and Dave mm-hmm. feels that heartbeat. His players have a heartbeat. They're not just a number on a stat sheet. And I really think that's what makes him so good, Matt. A lot of these guys are so stuck on the analytics and the stat sheet that, you know, and the matchups and all that, that they forget that these kids are, (laughs) they, they have a heartbeat Mm -hmm. and they all respond different in different situations. And you've got to know how they respond. And, and, and Dave's, Dave's good at that. And I think Hobbs is good at that too. Uh, We, we had a conversation in the press box I don't remember if it was after Saturday's game or Sunday's game. I think it might have been Sunday. Uh, I think Bybee might have been in a jam, and then he got out of it. But I, again, I can't remember exactly what the scenario was. But but basically, the question was: Is there a better pitching coach in terms of being able to go out to the mound and get his pitcher's mind right right there in that moment and get him back to the dugout where maybe they can have a, a better conversation? Because it just seems like when he goes out there, more often than not. Uh, you know, and I've, I've, I've heard them say that, or I've heard them make comments like this in practice where there's nobody around and you can kind of hear you know, what some of the conversations are. It's like, okay, this is the pitch we're going to throw. He's going to hit a double play to the shortstop. We're going to get back to the dugout. And it feels like it happens quite a bit whenever he makes those mound visits. It's so part of being a good coach, a good a pitching coach, hitting coach is your part coach part psychologist and with pitching and well, with both of them uh but i think matt hobbs on the psychologist job is a really good he does a great job with that of going out and whatever he says to these guys you're right it works because typically when he leaves the mound they're dealing the next pitch i mean it's it's crazy how they just they just flip a switch once he comes out there and talks to them so i don't know what he's saying but it's it's uh it's working I think you got to give Van Horn and Hobbs a lot of credit right now for how well this team is playing because this season easily could have gone in a in a bad direction with all the injuries they had to their pitching staff. But I think it says a lot about the the coaching ability that they're thirty and seven, and there's only maybe four teams, five teams in the country that have got a better record than that. Most of those teams probably haven't played the type of of schedule that Arkansas has played to this point. And so for them to be in contention and, you know, it's, it's not a deal where the lineup is carrying Arkansas every game against Tennessee. They scored five runs, six runs and seven runs. So they're giving their pitching a little bit of cushion most games, but it's not so much so that, you know, these pitchers can go out and kind of scuffle through the game. I think that there's a lot to be said for the fact that Arkansas is in contention and that it's the pitching staff that has primarily got them to that point. Speaking of pitching, I thought it was impressive, Bubba, uh, the performance by Will McIntyre and Hunter Holland, given how those two starts began with Jared Dickey hitting. It almost looked like the exact same play, but they were wearing different uniforms. I mean, to the point that I think both of those leadoff home runs that he had went off of Kendall uh, Kendall Diggs' glove in right field as he was leaping up at the fence. And both of them were able to keep it together and give them six inning starts where after the home run, they only gave up one more run. Well, it goes back to, they don't, they don't let that bother them. You know, they give up, they give up the home run and then they come back out, they get over it. They make quality pitches to get out of the inning. And, and what, I think that's a calming effect of, of Matt Hobbs. You know, I think his guys are pretty even keel out there on the mound. You know, you can see sometimes, you can see Will McIntyre, you can kind of see, you know, when he gets mad, you can tell when he gets mad. But it's just it's just controlling the, you know, a, a solo home run is not going to beat you. What's going to beat you is, is a walk, an error, and then a home run. Mm-hmm. The three-run home runs are going to beat you. So, you know, you can't let that. It's, it's the SEC. You make a mistake. You know, I know the ball that uh, – was hit off a of Hunter Holland that Dickey hit off a of Hunter Holland. It was just a, it was a two, one hanging curveball. He went two old breaking ball, came back with another breaking ball and it was hanging. He hit it. Um, that just happens. You make a mistake to an sec guy and he's, he's going to hit it over the fence. And so the key is how, do, how do you bounce back from that? And they responded perfectly. 
Talk more Razorback baseball here in a minute. I want to tell you that the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast is sponsored by Massage Envy, voted the best day spa and the best massage in all of Northwest Arkansas. You can visit Mike and his staff in Tuscany Square at 2603 West Pleasant Grove Road in Rogers or in Fayetteville at 3557 North Silo Drive. Massage Envy has services for everyone. MassageEnvy.com. Massage Envy with clinics in Rogers and Fayetteville has been awarded Northwest Arkansas's best day spa and best massage. One of the reasons is our care for athletes, both serious and recreational. We now offer rapid tension relief sessions using a high caliber vibrating tool and total body stretch sessions like the ones used by the PGA. Both of these new services can be combined with the always popular deep muscle treatment. So whether you compete or just want to relax, there is no place better than Massage Envy. WholeHogSports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at WholeHogSports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. WholeHogSports.com. With almost 30 years in business, a Teague Law Firm can help with most family law and criminal law issues. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. Eventful week around the SEC, some big top 10 matchups last week. Vanderbilt lost its first game to South Carolina, but came back and won that series, despite the fact, Bubba, that Hunter Owen did not pitch and Carter Holton only pitched one inning. You know, he had been out the week before uh, for their series, and so they were able to you know, kind of use the midweek bullpen and get through the South Carolina series. And then that came back to bite them on Tuesday night when they lost 10 to two to Indiana state, a team that's won 11 in a row. Yeah. You can really tell something was going on there. We we're watching the score during the game and it just kept getting worse and worse. So yeah, you could tell that they kind of depleted their bullpen, but that just tells you right there that, that Vandy's not that strong in the bullpen. Well, I think they're strong, but I think it's, it's hard when you lose your, your two main guys. I mean, that's, you know, you think about Holton and, and Owen, that's, you know, on a good weekend, they're probably giving you anywhere from 12 to 15, 16 innings. Uh, it, it, I think it really goes to show that, you know, there's so much value in those frontline pitchers. And when you lose just one, it can, it can really throw off what happens, you know, the rest of your bullpen. And, you know, like we've, we've talked about with Arkansas and the injuries to Paulette last year and Wiggins this year it really puts a, it shines a light on the development of, of your back of bullpen guys. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, we losing Wiggins. I mean, we saw firsthand right there. And like you said, Paulette last year, uh, our guys that we've lost have been, you know, with Tiger going down. I mean, that was, you know, that was huge. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's just, a, it goes down to the depth and guys just stepping up and getting it done. Matt and and you've seen our guys step up and get it done and and I haven't really gotten into Vandy's numbers so I don't know that much about their their bullpen but mm-hmm. you know they they uh they didn't get it done last night that's for sure when their pitching staff is, is healthy I think they've got the best three-man rotation in the league uh what, what do you think about South Carolina uh now that they've played LSU and South Carolina or LSU and uh Vanderbilt back-to-back weeks they are one let's see they're two and three in those two series, they had the rain out against LSU. Uh, does South Carolina, the fact that they're competitive in those games, does that make you maybe more of a believer in them? Or what are your thoughts? Because, you know, they, they didn't play a very tough schedule up until a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I think they're better than I thought they were going to be. I thought their their schedule was kind of weak leading up into the, the last couple of weekends. I think they've they've been right there in those games. And so, yeah. I'm actually a, a little bit more. I think you asked me if I buy or sell, and I think I was selling on mm-hmm. on uh, South Carolina a few weeks ago. But but yeah, they're 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 pretty good. So they they've showed it. But you know, we're going to continue to see these next couple of weeks what happens. I've been really impressed with Ethan Petrie, their freshman right fielder, uh, easily the best freshman in the league, maybe the best freshman in the country. He's the number two hitter in the SEC right now behind Dylan Cruz, and he's got the second most home runs behind uh, Jack Caglione of Florida. Well, then there's the freshman for uh, Georgia also, uh, Condren. He's a freshman, right? Yeah, he is. There, there's some good freshmen in the league. I mean, there's Petrie, there's Charlie, uh, Charlie Condon at Georgia. Uh, we saw Colby Shelton 
from uh, Alabama, Bear Jones at LSU, their designated hitter. He's really good. Uh, did you see the video of him mouthing at the pitcher after he had a home run against Kentucky the other day? No, I heard about it. I didn't see that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you're a lip reader, uh, cover your eyes. <laughs> it was not nice what he said. LSU came back to beat Kentucky. You know, the first game LSU, they just roll. The second game, Kentucky, they win. And then the third game, it's back and forth. LSU gets a, a home run late by Jones. And, and they win. But, you know, I was a little surprised that Kentucky was able to keep it so competitive because I didn't know – I didn't really think that Kentucky's small ball style would be able to compete with LSU that well. No, I didn't either. I think that was that was another one that I sold on. And you know, I I tell you what, I think. Did you see the the Florida pitcher get thrown out? Yes, I want to talk to you about that, Brandon Neely. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? And I'll give you my opinion. Well, I can. The only thing I can think is, based on the video that you see, I didn't see anything that warranted an ejection. The only thing I can think is if he said something that the umpire right. heard, or maybe the umpire thought he heard. And at that point, he threw him out. Now, I know that both of the benches had been warned earlier in that game. But, you know, based on what I saw, uh, it didn't look like – I mean, that looked like a total ump show moment. It did. Now, like you said, the only thing is if he looked at that batter and said something specifically to him, like our – you can read our pitcher's lips after a big, you know, strikeout. Let's freaking go. You know, they're they're pumped. They're running off the field. Now he was kind of looking that direction, but unless he said something specifically to that hitter, then that's ridiculous. He he can't get tossed to that. But what about Caglione's response after yeah. the grand slam? I thought like that Caglione, was... he hits a grand slam and it's like kind of a robot walk into the uh, into the dugout, make sure that the umpire doesn't think he's celebrating. I thought that was, I mean, that was you got to give the guy credit. That was good. So, you know, I've given Florida a lot of crap in the last few years, uh, but. They're, they're starting to get a lot of people to come out to their games. And, you know, they built the new ballpark about three years ago. They had that regional where I think maybe they lost game one and then they had a, a an elimination game in game two and nobody came out. And it was just a bad, bad look for them. But, it you know, I will say this. It, it looks like Florida's starting to get a little bit better fan support now that people have, you know, onto that ballpark and, and maybe it's an experience that they like and, and they're coming back a little bit more and it helps that they're 31 and six. Yeah. I think the fact that they're winning helps a lot. I think new ballpark helps a lot too. I think Osola was doing a good job there building a good, you know, just a good, just a good program. And so I I don't know. I think they're a, they're a fun team to watch. You get a guy like Caglione in there dropping bombs. People want to see that. And so they're going to come out, and watch it. Sullivan, he's been taking his protein shakes and, and spending time in the gym. He looked like he was about to uh, rip that umpire apart the other day. There was <laughs> quite quite the contrast in body size there. Yeah, yeah, he's been uh, yeah, he's got he's got the Barry Bonds diet going or something. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> One more notable thing from the weekend: uh, Mississippi State took a series against Ole Miss in Starkville. A really entertaining series. I think all three of the games came down right until the the very end. I think Ole Miss, Kemp Alderman hit a home run late in one game uh, where they won. Mississippi State had a walk-off hit in another. Uh, Mississippi State takes the series. But really the notable thing from that, Bubba, they had over 16,000 people there for the second game of that series, which was also the same day that they played their spring football game. It was also the day that they dedicated a statue to Ron Polk outside the stadium. And I think for the weekend, they had something like 42,000 people come to those three games against Ole Miss. Just incredible uh, that you've got two teams struggling like that. And yet, you know, I guess you throw the records out the window when Ole Miss and Mississippi State get together. People uh, came out in droves. Yeah, I thought it was neat. I thought it was neat that uh, the Ron Polk statue. I thought that was really, really neat. And there was a there was a really good article in D one Baseball about Ron Polk, and I read it. It was uh, it was it was a, it was a really cool article. Um, so yeah, I think it's neat. And I don't you know I don't know how many people came out for the Ron Polk statue, but I think it's neat that they did that. And uh, yeah, I mean for a team that's struggling like Mississippi State to get sixteen thousand four hundred something in a ballpark, that's pretty impressive. Don't look now, but Mississippi State's won back-to-back -back series, albeit against uh, you know some weaker competition. Uh, that may be a team that's starting to get a little bit of a belief, and you know the the Arkansas plays them in a couple of weeks. So 
kind of an interesting team to to look at right now because uh, they are winning games. James Teague has joined his father, Robert, at Teague Law Firm, which has been around nearly 30 years and was voted best of Northwest Arkansas in 2019 and 2021. James can help you with most family law matters, including divorce, custody, and child support. He can also help with criminal law, including felony and misdemeanor offenses. If you have an estate need, James at Teague Law Firm can fill your need there, too. Teague Law Firm is a full-service law firm where you will talk to actual lawyers. They will call you back and give you their direct sell. You can call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785, 479-531-2785, or visit them online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm, if we can't help you, we'll talk baseball. As a former Razorback pitcher, James Teague spent years closing innings. Now he's closing cases. With almost three decades in business, the Teague Law Firm can help with most family law issues and criminal law. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785 or visit them at teague-law.com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hawk Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. We mentioned Arkansas beat UCA 6-3 on Tuesday night. They had a three-run seventh inning. Kind of an eventful inning for UCA uh, their center fielder loses a ball in the lights that allows Kendall Diggs to get a one-out double. And then Bubba mentioned earlier, there's the play where I think it was the second baseman that tries to tag Caleb Callie, and then he realizes he's not going to get him. Then he throws to first, and Brady Slavens is safe, and Diggs goes home from second. That gives him the lead. They got a wild pitch. Uh, they walked with the bases loaded, added a couple more runs in that inning. And then uh, Christian Fouch and Austin Ledbetter, were able to shut that game down. They got a good start from Cody Adcock on Tuesday night. I think he went four innings, Bubba. And, you know, we're seeing him pitch mostly in the midweek right now. We've heard Van Horn talk about this in his press conferences. Also heard him talk about it with Phil on the radio the other day uh, that, you know, I don't know if this is verbatim, but but basically the, the gist is that they can't trust him on the weekend right now because his pitches have been too flat and it's been too easy for the other teams to hit him. But, you know, I, I was thinking about this as I was watching him last night. These were the roles where Will McIntyre was cutting his teeth last year and where Zach Morris was doing a lot of his damage. And those two were so crucial to the end of the season run. I think that these midweek games against UCA last night, Adcock pitched against Little Rock last week. I would assume he's probably going to pitch against Missouri State next week. They play Lipscomb in North Little Rock the week after. Those games are going to be really crucial uh, to get in his mind right, because you know as well as I do, most of the time in the postseason, you've got to have more than three starters. And I think Adcock is, is going to have to be really good for them to have uh, some success in the postseason. Yeah, I think I think Cody's a guy, and you know it's April nineteenth right now. I don't care if he's good at his best April nineteenth. I want him. I want him peaking towards the end of the season because, like you said, that's when we're going to need Cody Adcock. He's got elite stuff. The thing I liked about it last night, he missed with a lot of sliders last night, but he missed down where, mm -hmm. you know, where he's gotten in trouble is where he's missed up with that slider. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing I liked that he did last night, he threw a few more changeups and he's got a really good changeup. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's so when you're game planning as a hitter, Matt, I, I wish like a lot of righties don't like throwing a changeup righty righty. And to me, that's just amazing. When I face a lefty, if if I face a lefty that was just a face fastball curveball guy, fastball curve, fastball slider, whatever, it's easy. But when he threw a changeup, if a lefty was confident enough to throw a lefty lefty changeup, it changed my approach against him. And I wish Cody would just be trust that. And I get it. As a pitcher, you don't want to get beat with your third best pitch. You know, his his best pitch is his fastball, then his slider, and then probably his curveball and then his changeup. But boy, if you can mix in a righty righty changeup or even mix in that slow breaking ball to a righty, that gets him off that slider. Then when he makes a mistake with a slider, it's not going to get hit over the fence. You know, they might still hit it, but they're not gonna they're not gonna hit a bomb. And so I, I think that's important for Cody to get 
get a little bit more confidence in another secondary pitch. You know, like I said, he missed down with his slider last night instead of missing up, but he threw some really good change-ups. I thought he did a pretty good job of spotting his fastball. He hit a couple batters back-to-back. I asked him last night what – he hit one batter on a fastball that was 91, I want to say, after throwing a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. And then the next battery hits with an 88 mile an hour fastball. And I asked, I saw him last night after the game, and I said, What was that 88 mile an hour pitch? He's like, I don't know. He said, You know, I kind of tried to just run it in on him, and it was 88 miles an hour. I was afraid he hurt his arm because when you see a guy all of a sudden go from 95 to 88, you're like, Uh oh, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. But then he came back, the next pitch was 93, 94, and he was, he got back in a groove again. But I thought he threw some really good pitches last night. Now he wasn't as, you know, he wasn't perfect, but he threw some good pitches. And I think you just said it. That's kind of where Will McIntyre was last year at this time. He was just starting to feel it, getting his midweek innings in. And and I think Cody's going in the right direction. But I think a lot of it is just believing in those pitches, getting on the mound, committing to that pitch, and executing it. And I think a couple more midweek starts. I don't know if he was good enough last night to earn a weekend, you know, a little bit of time on the weekend. Who knows? But But I thought he looked pretty good. Well, and it wasn't just him. I mean, Parker Coyle pitched last night. I know he gave up a couple of runs. I mentioned Ledbetter came in and pitched. You know, the, the, these are the, I don't know, these almost, I hate to call them development games, but that's kind of what they are. I mean, it's, you're, you're trying to develop these guys to be bigger pieces of the puzzle when the postseason rolls around. I think so. And I thought Christian Faust made some good pitches yeah. last night. Now he made a couple mistakes. You know, he hit a guy, walked a guy. I want to say we scored a couple and then he came out and, and walked the next batter. And boy, that's like a huge no-no for D- DVH. You, you know, you've <laughs> got to get, make the guy hit it over the fence. Don't walk mm-hmm. him there, you know, after we score a couple, but you know, freshman still learning, but I still thought he threw some really good pitches. I thought that slider looked pretty good that he threw. And that's another weapon for him. You can't just be a fastball splitty guy. You got to have something else to go with that. And I thought Christian showed it last night. By the way, Fouch is is the only Arkansas pitcher that has not allowed a run in SEC play after he pitched that ninth inning and didn't allow Tennessee a run when he came in with runners on second and third with nobody out. Uh, that's four innings of SEC ball that he's pitched now without allowing a run. I thought that was really impressive what he did against Tennessee. Yeah, that is. I hope you didn't just jinx him right there, Matt. I don't know if that's considered a broadcast. <laughs> well, he's going to give up a run at some point. You know that. <laughs> but, you know, he did. He, he came in. He looked good. Made some really good pitchers uh, to some good hitters. And so I think he's uh, – I think I think mentally he's starting to realize, you know, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good. And he out, he's out there on the mound. He didn't look like a freshman anymore out there on the mound. How cool was that to see Ben McLaughlin and Jack McLaughlin play against each other last night? They're brothers. They're from Golden, Colorado, and they're playing each other in an in-state matchup in Arkansas. They had at least a dozen family members that came down from the Denver area. Uh, They were actually in Fayetteville to watch the Tennessee series. What perfect timing that was because McLaughlin started his first SEC series of the season, started all three of those games, and like we mentioned earlier, had the hits. But then you know, the, the real treat was last night getting to see Ben and Jack not only be in opposing dugouts, but they both got to play. They both got to play first base. Uh, just a, a really cool moment for those two after the game and during the game. Well, it, it was. It was really cool. And you know, so after the game, you, I think you saw me down there on the field. I was I was going to interview Ben. And I cut, I cut in front of you. Yeah, you did. You, you did. You kind of blocked me there. But um, so I saw him up in the up in the stands with his family, and mm-hmm. and I told Fuller and 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 Oliver, I'm like, look, I don't want to interrupt that. And it kind of it it brought me back because my parents used to go at George Cole Field. That's right where they used to be. After every game, they'd be right there on the other side of the third base dugout, mm-hmm. and I'd go over and talk to them after every game. And I'm like, I see them up there taking pictures with him and his brother and his family, and I I can't interrupt that. You know, I'll stand here as long as it takes for them to get done doing all that because it kind of brought me back a little bit, kind of made me a little, little bit not, uh, I don't want to say emotional, but it, you know, it did. It kind of brought me back to the day, back in the day when my parents would be there and we'd be taking pictures after the game. I thought it was a really cool moment, and uh, I just didn't want to interrupt it, and and then uh, so I got a chance to talk to him after that, and uh, it was it was it was neat to see that. I thought I was going to talk to Ben in the interview room. And then uh, I'd also talked to UCA's media relations person. I said, I'd, I'd like to talk to Jack. And uh, they stepped down out of the crowd. And 
he brings me both of them. And so I was doing the interview with both of them at the same time. It turned out to be be great because it gave you a look at how, uh, you know, just kind of the relationship that they have. And, you know, my favorite part of it was I asked, I said, have you guys ever played in a game against each other before? Because, you know, they grew up playing on the same travel team. Ben was good enough. He's he's two years younger than Jack. But he was good enough to play on the same travel team, play up some. Uh, they played together at Golden High School in Colorado. They were the starting middle infielders there at second base and, and shortstop. Uh, but I asked, have you ever played against each other in a game? And it turned out there was an alumni game after Jack had gone to a community college in California. His freshman year, he comes back to Colorado. He plays an alumni game. He goes to hit, and Ben is on the mound. And I guess it's the first pitch. Ben just smokes him. And but it was funny listening to the reaction. I said, I said, so have you guys ever played together? Jack says, Yeah, we did one time. Benny, tell him what happened. I hit him with a pitch. And he goes, He smoked me. And Ben McLaughlin says, I didn't mean to, but he's he's never going to believe that it wasn't an intentional hit. It was just a great little back and forth between the two of them that you know really kind of give you a good glimpse of of that that you know brotherly camaraderie that they have. Oh, that's awesome. I was going to ask Ben if he ever, if he ever pitched against Jack, but I didn't, I didn't get around. Cause he could have last that. night, you know, he had, he yeah. pitched in the last two Tuesday games. He said that when he came to the park and he saw that he was starting at first base instead of Brady Slavens, he had a pretty good idea that he was not going to pitch against Jack. Uh, but uh, he did say that he had had a conversation with his dad the night before about, uh, you know, something along the lines of, you know, dad, if, if I have to pitch against him, it's going to be really difficult. Well, hopefully he wouldn't have hit him the first pitch again. Jack might have charged the mound. <laughs> that was just a neat moment there between the glasses. I wrote about that, by the way. If you want to go to wholehugsports.com, you can read that. I, I talked to Ben and Jack, and I caught up with their mother uh, after the game last night. Had a lot of fun writing that one. Uh, Arkansas goes to Georgia this weekend. They're in first place in the SEC West. They're 11-4 and four in the conference. That's uh, a game and a half ahead of LSU. Uh, they're two games back of Vanderbilt for the best record in the league. Vanderbilt uh, goes into its series this weekend at 13-2 and two overall. Just uh, an incredible start there uh, for the Commodores. But uh, do you feel good about Arkansas's chances to win this division? I mean, there's so much talk this year about LSU, LSU, LSU. But you look at the next three weekends for Arkansas, and you never know what's going to happen. But as, as we sit here right now, Bubba, I would think Arkansas has to be favored to win the series against Georgia, win the series against Texas A&M that's in Fayetteville, and then probably win the series against Mississippi State and Starkville, given the way they played. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, I've looked at this so much. I've got it memorized, Matt. And look at who LSU has, though. They got Ole Miss left. They got Alabama at home. I want to say they go to Auburn and they got Mississippi state at home and they got Georgia. So LSU's yeah, remaining play. schedules is it's weak. I mean, it's really weak. And so we finish up with South Carolina and Vandy. And so, I mean, our, our schedule, we got a couple of weekends where we need to make hay and, and get the wins when we can. It's going to get a little harder towards the end of our schedule where if you look at LSU's, they're set up pretty good. If they stay healthy, um, of course, Alabama's tough. Um, but LSU has Alabama at home. So in, in Auburn, Mississippi State, who knows Georgia? Who knows what could happen there? But mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I think our schedule's tougher than what LSU has left. Arkansas does get a, a one more chance at an SEC win than than LSU will get as, as things stand right now because LSU had that rain out against South Carolina. D does win in the division? I mean, is that how big of a deal is that? I, I guess it's one of those deals from my seat that if it happens, great. But I don't know that they were just kicking themselves too much last year that they weren't able to hold off A&M at the end. Yeah, I think ultimately the goal is Omaha. So I, I I don't think I think when you get to Omaha, you don't think, oh, well, we we didn't win the, you know, the the West. I don't think it really matters. I think the key is 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 getting a regional win, super regional and going to Omaha. I think that's I think that's where the the focus is. If you're if you're an Arkansas Razorback. You know, there's a lot of baseball to play between now and then, but I, I do think it's interesting that Arkansas and Vanderbilt are leading their respective divisions and they play each other at the end of the year. You know, you just think if they can continue this level of play for the next three or four weeks, when Arkansas goes to Nashville, that could be a huge series at the end of the year. 
but first, looking ahead to Georgia this weekend, the Bulldogs, they're coming off a, a series loss at Florida. We talked about the the ejection that uh, Florida's pitcher Brandon Neely had in that uh, finale that the Gators won 11-4. to uh, It was a, a real back-and-forth series. Georgia wins game one, I believe, 13-10. to Both teams hit grand slams in that game, and, and Georgia gets a big one toward the end. It was a pitcher's duel in game two. Uh, Florida wins that one two to one. These games were in Gainesville. And then in game three, Florida, uh, you know, pulls away and they win the series with that 11 to four victory. Georgia's only four and 11 in the SEC. But I think that the way they have played the last two weeks, they beat Kentucky uh, in a doubleheader in Athens a couple of weeks ago, a couple of seven inning games to win that series. And then, you know, taking Florida right down to, you know, the brink in game two when they had already won game one, I think that shows you that Georgia is probably better than the record would suggest. I think so. I think the the Friday night win was big, you know, Saturday back and forth. Um, you know, anyone could have won that one. I mean, there, look, we're, it's SEC baseball, Matt, you, you go in there, you have to, you have to play good baseball. If you don't, you're, you're not going to win. Um, and I mean, that's just, it doesn't matter who you're playing. I think you, you look at a team like that and you look at the four and 11 record and you're like, well, I think you just throw it out the window and say, look, we, we got to go in there and play Razorback baseball if we want to win this series. Georgia's hitting numbers are pretty good. It, it's the bullpen that's really been their problem, I think, this year. You look at their their pitching numbers, and these are in conference-only games. Only Auburn and Mississippi State have a lower ERA than Georgia, which is 782 through 15 games. Uh, you know, and, and and again, you think about the way Arkansas's bullpen has been pitching, and so many games are won and lost there on the back end. Uh, that's going to be interesting to watch this weekend. Yeah, I think so. And and you know, it looks like it's it might be lined up for we may face three lefty starters. Um, it looks like that's that's what they went with 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 Florida. If I'm unless I'm reading that wrong, they went with three lefty starters against Florida, which. Honestly, that that kind of plays in our hand. We we hit higher against lefties than we do righties. We, you know, as a team, we hit three ten against lefties, two eighty three against righties. So, I mean, we've got a bunch of left handed batters in the lineup that don't mind facing left handed pitching. So, I think we're. Uh, I, I don't think that really affects us. Where I think in the past, if you look back at the past, it seems like we've always struggled with left handed starters. Mm -hmm. But I think I don't think that's the case this year. Why do you think that is? You know, I wish I could say, I mean, typically, I mean, the one thing, if you're a lefty starter in SEC, you're good. And so, you know, I think they'd be getting outs whether they were lefty or righty. There's just something about the SEC the last several years where there's been big, dominant stud lefties that no one hits, you know, <laughs> and I think that's had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, you looked at UCA last night, they threw a little soft lefty at us, kind of a, you know, crafty lefty. I think the scouting report said funky lefty. You know, <laughs> we didn't look good against him at all, but he looked like he was hard to hit. Um, but I, I think our lefties, we do a really good job of staying on the ball and driving the ball up and down our lineup. We've got lefties that'll stay on the ball, drive it the other way. If a, if they make a mistake with a breaking ball, or slider, curveball, we'll we'll pull it, pull it with authority. And I think that's why we're we've done so well this year against against lefties. George is probably going to start Jaden Woods in game one, uh, left-hander. I think he was a freshman when they played them at the SEC tournament in yeah. uh, 2021 you you were there you remember seeing him what do you remember about him I remember he's good I remember I remember thinking he's going to be really good um and you know he's he'll be their Friday night guy and you know he's he's had good nights and he's had bad nights against Florida what he go four innings four and a third three hits five runs five walks you know, so he wasn't that good uh, against Florida on Friday night. But you know, he—I know the guy's got good stuff, and so it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's going to be a good test for us on Friday night. Uh, they'll start Goldstein probably in Game Two, and then Liam Sullivan was the SEC Pitcher of the Week—not uh, this week, but last week. He threw a complete game shutout, I believe, against Kentucky in one of those decisive doubleheader games. Uh, so that's another arm that, and you know, and. The thing about Georgia that always stands out to me, Bubba, is that it seems like they've always got really good arms. Doesn't matter, you know. Sometimes I don't know that they're always the best pitching team, uh, but they they seem like they've always got really good 
starting pitchers who are, I mean, you think about that team in, in 2020 had the season not got shut down. I think they had three pitchers on that team who were all real high round MLB draft picks. And so it's something that Scott Strickland has done a good job of at Georgia, always assembling talented arms, which kind of makes the fact that they're so low in ERA a little bit surprising. Yeah, I think the key. I think the key for us is to get their pitch count up and get the starters out of there and get in the bullpen. And we've done a great job of that. If you look back this whole season, we've done a great job. It doesn't matter how good that that Friday Saturday starter Sunday starter is. We've done a really good job of getting those guys out of the game, getting their pitch count up early, and getting to the bullpen. I think that's the key for us going into Georgia this weekend. Couple of guys in their their uh, batting order that stand out to me. Will David is number six in the SEC, and and this is in conference games only, with a three eighty six batting average. We mentioned Charlie Condon, uh, their freshman hitting three seventy three, and Condon, uh, you know, I mean, he's up there near the top of of a lot of uh, statistical categories. I know he's real high up there in home runs. Uh, you know, he's just had a real big year for them, and. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about this earlier. There've been a lot of really good freshmen in this league and it's, uh, you know, Arkansas seen a couple of them with Bear Jones and with um, uh, Shelton the other day against Alabama or the other week against Alabama. He's still got Petrie coming up, but you know, Condon, he's right there in that freshman of the year conversation in the league. Yeah, he's a good one. You know, but we, I tell you what our staff's done. We've done a pretty good job of shutting those guys down. I mean, we really have. We've gone out with a good game plan against them, and we've really been able to neutralize those guys for the most part. Petri and Condon are one, two in the SEC right now in slugging percentage. <laughs> Amazing. A couple of freshmen, Petri, uh, his uh, uh, 1093 slugging. I don't know that anybody's going to catch him, but Condon is, is uh, second with an 882 slugging percentage and that's what's so impressive though as as a freshman because if you look at the sec there's not a lot of freshmen starting in sec it's such an older league now mm -hmm. everyone it seems like there's juniors and seniors everywhere you look all these veteran guys grad grad guys i mean it's it's crazy you know to see a freshman come in and be that good uh, you know, you still see it. You don't. I think. The, I think college baseball's kind of changed. SEC baseball's changed to where it's more of a veteran league now. Mm -hmm. It is interesting to me to see the slugging percentage because uh, you know Cruz was so high up there uh, for a lot of the year, and he's still up there at the top in batting average and an on base percentage. But it's it's the the field is kind of catching up with him a little bit, or maybe he's coming back to the field. Uh, there's a lot of really good hitters. I, I just can't remember a year. And, you know, that, I'm sure there's probably been one in the last two or three years that, you know, you tell me about it and, oh, yeah, well, I forgot about that. But, you know, there's so many good hitters in the league this year. I just don't remember a year where there's been this kind of collection of hitters because, you know, I mean, whether it's Chase Borfin and, and Jared Wagner at Arkansas or the two we mentioned from Georgia a minute ago, it just seems like every team has two or three or four guys that can, can really rake. Yeah, I think you're right, Matt. But I still go back to I think there's a difference in the baseball. Now, still, a good hitter is a good hitter, whether you're hitting a, a juiced ball or not. But there is a difference in the baseball this year. Balls are being hit harder. I'm I'm convinced because I track every ball hit in a game, the velo of it. And I've never seen this many balls hit over 100 miles an hour. It's like the gold standard's 95 but now it's like I almost have to raise that because guys are mishitting balls and hitting it 99 to 100. And so I don't know. It's There's something okay. to that. But, look, good hitters are still good hitters. Don't, don't I'm not taking anything away from them. You're absolutely right. There are some studs right now in the SEC. And I would say, well, pitching's not as good because a lot of your top arms have been injured this year. But pitching is still good. I mean, look at what we saw this weekend with Tennessee. It's a, It's amazing how well we did against – I mean, we faced four or five guys that's going to pitch in the big leagues that were just ridiculous stuff, and and we, we had great approaches against them. But you're right. There's there's a lot of good hitters this year in the SEC. We won't get into the, the political part of this, but I did read something the other day. You may have seen this too. It said that uh, some scientists had said that um, the, the, war the global warming had created – at least 50 more home runs per year in major league baseball, just because, you know, teams are playing in warmer conditions and you played in Colorado, you know, this, you know, the atmospheric conditions, you know, really contribute to how far a ball will fly. And so when it's warmer, a ball's going to fly 
uh, farther off of the bat. So, you know, maybe you're seeing that a little bit with college baseball, the, you know, the warmer weather coupled with uh, the older hitters. Uh, maybe that's why you're seeing so many <laughs> balls fly out of the ballpark. Okay. Well, since you went there, I'm going to tell you what I, I actually read something. So funny. You said this from, from 1990 to now, the, the average temperature is, is a half a degrees warmer than it was in 1990. So if a half a degree is going to make balls fly farther than you're right. <laughs> now it was a one article. So you might read 10 more articles that say that's wrong, but, but according to government statistics, they say that the temperatures raised half a degree since 1990. So, so just wait until 2033 when it's five degrees warmer. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be, you know, I'll be making a comeback. <laughs> I have noticed, I have noticed a little bit, like there've been some massive home runs that have hit. I mean, even in Arkansas, you've seen a 470 footer by Wagner. Uh, there was a Borfin hit a 447 the other day, which I think you said is probably shorted him a little bit. Uh, that was an absolute moonshot over the scoreboard. Uh, I know the air force plays in thin air, but they've had some that have been like 523, 507, Oklahoma State had a guy last year hit one over 500. There have been some, and and, and maybe it's just that TrackMan has gotten so good and, and so prevalent being at all these different ballparks that we're seeing these numbers more. But, I mean, there have been some absolute just shots this year that, that have caught my eye. Yeah, you're right. Here's here's what's funny, though, Matt. You know, we used to sit around, we used to sit around deer camp, and we'd talk about, all right, you know, back in the day, you know, we compare our, like our 91 team or 90 team. We won 50-something games, 50 and 13 or whatever we were. Mm -hmm. Oh, we if we played these guys, we'd beat them. If we played today's Razorbacks, oh, we'd beat them. We were so much fundamentally better and all that. But now I can honestly say if we played these guys today, they they would they would pummel us. These guys are <laughs> so much better. They just are. These guys are bigger. They're stronger. They're they know they're they know more about their 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 swings their bodies than we did mm -hmm. they're so far it, it took me years to learn what these guys know right now and the, the training is so much better the diet's better i mean you look you know we used to play a double header on saturdays and we'd get a snickers between games uh <laughs> and a coke you know these guys i mean they've got a, a dietitian i mean so people are just they're just bigger and stronger and they're better than we were. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's part of it. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go with the climate thing. Uh, I just think that these guys are so much better than we were. Now I do think there's a difference in the baseball with all that being said, mm -hmm. I think balls are being hit harder now. How much? I don't know. I mean, I can tell you, you know, in a couple of years, I'll, I'll still be tracking numbers if I'm still doing this and I'll, I'll tell you, but yeah, it's uh it's crazy how good some of these guys are. It probably goes to show why so many MLB teams are are drafting college players more and more over these last few years. And I think it's because the college coaching has gotten a lot better and it's preparing them to go in and have success quicker, you know, and, and rise through those minor league ranks, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. You know, look, if you're if you're a freshman pitcher, okay, let's just let's go with Gage Wood. Look at him coming in this weekend out of the pen with ten thousand five hundred fans yelling screaming you know that prepares you for you know that tells it that tells a scout about a lot about a kid right there how does he respond to that where if you're if you're gage wood that gets drafted and goes out of high school and goes into the draft you're playing on a rookie league team with with 500 people in the stands i mean it's there's no comparison with and you're you don't have all the equipment that we have here we hmm. got everything you need to develop as a pitcher here so you're crazy to enter the draft unless you're a first round pick and they're going to throw millions at you come here, you know, cause you're going to get those millions in three years when you get drafted and you go to the big leagues because you're going to be bigger, you're better. You're going to understand your body. You're going to, you're going to gain velo. There's just so many advantages to come in here and, 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 and getting better. And I just, I don't know. I, it's, it's a crazy now to look at all the guys, like you said, like the sec guys that are getting drafted now. I mean, Go to school, go to SEC, develop, get better, and then the money's going to be there at the end of the day. We're going to take that pitch, and we're going to record it and send it to Nate Thompson. He's going to send it to about 12 or 13 guys that they've got signed for this next signing class because they got a lot of guys that could, could potentially go to pro ball this year. Well, if they're smart, they'll come here. Like I said, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're a first-round pick – 
Um, and they're going to throw a whole bunch of money for you. You're crazy if you don't come here to University of Arkansas and, 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 and really, I mean, look at, look at Ben Attendee. He's a perfect example of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, we could go on and on. Heston Kerstad. I mean, there's it just the list goes on and on of guys that have gone, come here to U of A and they've gotten so much better. And then they get drafted and then they make the big money. Yep, they do. Peyton Paulette. I mean, you just, yeah, I mean, it's, we could talk about that all day. Yeah. Arkansas and Georgia this weekend, three games. Uh, the first game is going to be Thursday at six o'clock central. Uh, the second game will be Friday at five o'clock central. Final game Sunday at one o'clock central. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk more about the Razorbacks in Georgia. We'll also talk about uh, the Razorbacks game against Missouri State next Tuesday night. They'll play the Bears up in Springfield. Always a fun game when those two teams get together. For Bubba Carpenter, I'm Matt Jones. Hope you come to wholehogsports.com throughout the weekend, and we'll see you next week on the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of wholehogsports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at wholehogsports.com for the latest news and commentary.